This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Here we go. Hope you're enjoying your football Friday here in the G-Bag Nation course. Coming up at 520, it'll be time for a little what you drinking and what you thinking. And we look forward to uh, taking your phone calls, getting your thoughts here as we move into our first weekend without Cowboys football of the offseason as we continue the greatest offseason in Texas Rangers history. And we'll have more on that coming up in the 6 o'clock hour on your baseball team. But in the meantime, Nick Harris, DallasCowboys.com, joining us now here on 105.3 The Fan. And a good afternoon to you, sir. How the heck are you? Uh, doing pretty well. Uh, how are you doing, fellas? That's a that's a good way to pair it, though. The first weekend without Cowboys football, but the best off season in Rangers history. That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, you know we're coping the best we can, uh, Nick. You're, <laughs> you've been around these parts for a, a, a long time. Uh, of course, as a journalist, you wear a, a different hat, but it it does affect the mood around here significantly for everybody involved, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Hey, Nick. Um, Thanks for all your hard work so far on the draft show. Love working with you on that. Really do appreciate you uh, with all, man. Your knowledge has been super. Okay, I hope I'm not getting you in trouble here. You said something. Uh-oh. You said something on the show though, and we were going around talking about how the off season might be different from the Cowboys. And I hope I'm getting this right. But you felt like that they were going to be a take a maybe a different approach with maybe adding players uh is this something in my i hope i'm not taking it out of context or anything like that for you you felt like that they were going to have a really aggressive off season yeah this is just kind of my personal belief this is not based on anything that i know you know the conversations that the front office and the coaching staff has had this week has still been very preliminary i mean from what mike mccarthy communicated in the press conference i mean it's, it's pretty valid i mean the shock is still there with a lot of people in the building I think the full evaluating of what will happen over the offseason won't really start cranking up until they figure out what's going to happen with Dan Quinn because that's going to be the big first domino towards everything else that will happen around the team. But for me, what I believe, I mean, you kind of look at everything that's on the table out in front of them. Mike McCarthy is heading into his final year of his contract. You know, Jerry Jones, he's pushing 81 years old. Uh, they've, they've been trying to win now. It's been a win-now approach for the last two to three years. And you look at all the players involved and, and what they kind of have to do to get it done this next season, they're going to need a little bit more. I, I, you look at the 16 impending free agents, uh, that's over 25% of the active roster uh, that they're going to have to figure out what to do with this offseason. I mean, you look at that list it's probably only reasonable that they bring back only about three or four. So I think there's going to be a quite a busy off season in Dallas. I think there's an opportunity to go out and make a couple of big splashes, whether that be at the running back position uh, or on the defensive side of the ball, if, if a certain defensive pieces end up leaving with Dan Quinn. Um, but I, I, that's just something I anticipate ha- happening this off season. Which position group on either side of the ball do you think is, is going to be most overhauled? Is it the running back group or do you see somewhere else? 
Yeah, I think so. I think you could look at that running back group and, and see that. I think there's also an opportunity for the offensive line to have a similar type overhaul. It all kind of depends on Tyron Smith, and it hinges on that. Uh, you know, Mike McCarthy said on uh, – uh, Gosh, what was that? I guess that was yesterday already. These days have kind of flown by. Uh, said on Thursday that in his exit meeting with Tyron Smith, they, they talked about the future a little bit, but also said, you know, they're going to take some time a little bit and kind of evaluate where he's at. Uh, he really liked what he was able to put on the field this season. They liked the practice plan that they put forward with him. Um, and by practice plan, I mean not practicing plan. Um, and it works for everybody involved. I think that's going to be the big thing that kind of determines the offensive line picture. But, yeah, I think running back is going to probably be the biggest one. You know, there's an opportunity to bring Tony Pollard back if he wants to come back. Uh, but I, I think they end up with two different backs next season. Tony Pollard just doesn't have anything left in the tank. Did the injury get him just like it got Gallup or what? Yeah, it's an interesting one because you look at what he put on the field this past season and you could try to sign him to a short-term type deal, maybe a two- to three-year type deal and bring him back to, to be in that running back room and then maybe draft a guy or bring in a big free agent and be able to kind of work with him and be a little bit more complimentary. Um, or you let him walk and, you know, see if he can find a deal elsewhere and, and draft a guy and then bring in a free agent or draft two guys, however it kind of works out. But I, I just the, – the more I look at what Tony Pollard – uh, produced this season and they came into the off season. They came into training camp. Mike McCarthy talking about how they're going to run the ball. They're, that's good, what they're going to hold their hat on. And I, I think it's safe to say that there wasn't one game this season where they, you felt like the offense held their hat on running the football. So they have to have some sort of different approach in that area. I think that's probably going to be the biggest overhaul that we see on the offensive side for sure. Nick Harris, DallasCowboys.com with us here in the G-Bag Nation. It, it, when you reflect back now on 2023, as we've had about a week to do so, is there a player that you think really underperformed your expectations and then maybe a player that you think overperformed? Oh, that's a, that's a good one. I think overperformed, I think that's an easy answer. I would have to look at Deron Bland. Um, just being able to step in and do what he did and have an all-pro type season whenever Trayvon Diggs went down. Um, I, I think whenever Diggs did go down, there was confidence in Bland, sure, because he had the five picks in his rookie season. Uh, but, you know, how would he adjust moving out to boundary and how would he be able to adjust uh, going up against big-time uh, wide receiver ones. And he did a pretty good job. I, I think if you had you asked for what he was able to put in front of you, I, I think you couldn't ask for much more. Uh, as far as underperforming, gosh, you look at uh, Tony Pollard. I, I think that's probably the easiest answer, too. And it's very similar to what I kind of alluded to in the, in the previous answer, is just that you know they were, they were looking towards that running game being a big part of what they do offensively, and that just wasn't there. Uh, fortunately, Dak and CD had their best year uh, as, as a duo, um, and it kind of alleviated that pain in some areas. But, you know, when you have three all-pro guys up front and you're not able to run the football as efficiently as uh, they could have, you, you got to look at that running back position and see it as underperforming. How do you think see things playing out this offseason with Dak and the extension and the contract conversation? Yeah, that's certainly going to be an interesting one. I think whenever you look at Dak and the cap hit that he has right now looking for 2024, um, you would have to think that there's an extension looming. Um, you, for me, I, I think it happens. I don't think there's a question about it. Um, and I think it happens to an ability where the team is able to spend a lot more in 2024 uh, with whenever they do get Dak's deal done and they're able to decrease that cap hit. I think there's a lot of different things that they can do as far as moving the cap number uh, before they really start going all in on a free agency or you know bringing in guys. Um, I, I think there's an opportunity to really do that with Dak Prescott. It's Nick Harris here with you. You, you. you mentioned running the ball. I think when it comes to team building, that should be the top priority, and I would even be redundant with it to make sure that happens. 
Because when you can't do that in a playoff game, I feel like at this point it's well established the Cowboys offense just grinds to a halt. And I definitely don't want to ignore defense. I think there's needs happening over there, but I'm trying to do that with a budget, and I'm sending premium assets to running the ball next year. Nick, where is your main emphasis? Uh, I, for me, my main emphasis would be beefing up the defensive side of the ball. You know, I, I think whenever you look at losses that happened this past season and the three that really jumped to mind are the 49ers, the Bills, and obviously the Packers game. And you look at what happened in all three of those games, they were just out physical in all three of those games on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, their defense is undersized, and it's it's been a philosophy that's kind of worked itself into happening over the course of the last two, three years. I think it went a little bit more under, undersized than anticipated whenever you know Leighton Van Der Esch went down and, and DeMarvin Overshone wasn't able to get on the field this season and they had to just make Marquise Bell a linebacker for the majority of the year I, I think they were kind of forced into doing it a little bit more than they wanted to but I think there's more of an emphasis now than ever to beef up that defensive side of the ball and get you some guys that can you know fight around those offensive linemen whenever they get into the second level and be able to you know fill up those running lanes and have some success in the running game I, I think that's probably where I, I see the need for biggest improvement um, and, you know, that, that could go all the way back to the safety position as well. I think you just need guys that are bigger on the defensive side of the ball to be able to stop the run whenever it's just pounding on you play after play. Okay, I'm glad you brought up the safeties there because they, they do have J. Ron Kirsch, who's also a free agent as well. They did lock up Donovan Wilson. But, you know, with, with how much Dan Quinn, and assuming he comes back, maybe he doesn't, but what he asks his safeties to do, is that kind of a, a sneaky position of need where they need to improve this offseason? Yeah, I think there's an opportunity where they go get one in the draft and or they get a free agent as well. Um, you know, you look at J. Ron Curse and kind of what he put on the field this year, I think it's kind of open as, as far as bringing him back or letting him walk. Um, I, I think Dan Quinn being in the building next year will be a kind of a big determining factor in that as well. I think if Dan Quinn moves on, I think Curse probably moves on as well with him. And you look at Dante Fowler in that same that same sense. Uh, but even if Dan Quinn is back in the building, I think there's going to be a conversation about their approach at the safety position. You know, I really like what Malik Hooker and uh, Donovan Wilson did as far as what they were able to do. Malik Hooker, I mean, he's he's proven to be one of the better run defenders in the secondary for the Cowboys this past season. And then Donovan Wilson, once he was able to really come back from that calf injury. You started, you started to see him stack some really strong games there on the back half of the season that, you know, it, it was the reason why the Cowboys had paid him last offseason. But you look at the safety class, you look at some opportunities to be able to do some things in the draft in that area. Uh, I think you probably have a, a potentially a different safety in that group next year that's starting quite a bit. And then you also have Wanya Thomas in the building and Marquise Bell. You know, what do you do with those two guys and how do you factor them into the equation? You would have to think that Bell's not going to be in the second level next season. Uh, so uh, what do they do as far as working him back into the safety group? I think that that's probably one of the more interesting ones that you're going to dive into this offseason. Nick, is there any chance that they let Dak's contract ride and just and see, you know, okay, let it go and they'll figure out things at the, uh, you know, uh, when, when it's after this season, uh, you know, with the, with him and the coach and all that? I just don't see that happening for a couple of reasons. One, uh, again, I think they, they, they would like to be able to build a team around him here in 2024, and they're going to have to do it with 16 impending free agents, and they wouldn't have a ton of money to really go around. I mean, the, the budget book, it would be slim. Could they do it? Yes, absolutely, but I feel like that checkbook would really be slim. They'd have to figure out how to work under that cap. 
And then a second reason, and this is just kind of something I've thought of over the last few days, let's say they let him ride into that last season of uh, his, his contract, and he gets hurt in week three or week four, similar to what happened in 2020, then sure. you have a really interesting decision you're going to have to make at the end of the year as far as, okay, well, we didn't extend him last offseason. It's not like he did anything in these first three weeks to prove he needs you know, a bigger contract. So what do you do? And then that's, I think they're, they're left more in limbo in that sense than they would be right now. The smart thing is to extend him. I mean, he's coming off of a season where he ha- he's going to end up with an MVP podium finish, finishing second or third for the award. You got to extend the guy, give him a couple of more years on his deal and uh, figure out what to do with the rest of the team around him. So it, it, it's interesting because we're getting ready for the draft and we know that they have a hole on in, in, in the middle with their picks, like after the third round, because they traded their fourth for Trey Lance. They moved their fifth and their sixth. So now when you're looking at that and you're realizing, oh my gosh, they did make that trade for Trey Lance, what's his future looking like within the organization? Is it just, hey, he's going to be Dak's backup or do they have a plan for him? Yeah, and that really hasn't been too too much communicated over the course of the last year. I mean, whenever he was brought in in August, it was a sense of, hey, we're going to bring this guy in. We're going to take him through a quote-unquote QB school with Mike McCarthy, Scott Tolzien, quarterback's coach, and offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer, and just kind of see where he goes from here. And I think over the course of the last three to four months, he started to really get comfortable with the offense that Mike McCarthy has brought in. Um, he's gotten really comfortable with Dak Prescott, with Scott Tolzien. I talked to Trey towards the end of the year in the locker room and just kind of, you know, hey, update me on, on where you're at and kind of how you're feeling. And there was a much better sense of clarity with him when it just came to playing the position. And I think um, there's going to be a really big opportunity for him in the preseason next year to show all of that and put it forward. But as, as far as, you know, what his future could look like, I think that's probably undetermined. That's, that's left up to what he does this offseason and in the preseason, and it'll kind of determine how far he can jump up. Did we overestimate how good this team was based on them kicking the uh, you-know-what out of bad teams? Yeah, probably so. I think that's probably fair to assess now. Now that the the picture is over and you look at what the Packers did, uh, you could arguably say they're one of the worst teams in the playoffs. And I think we'll get a better gauge of that whenever they play San Francisco this weekend. But yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, And, you know, that was a criticism all year. And, you know, all year you could all you could really come back with was, well, well, hey, they can only beat what's in front of them. And but I think whenever you look at the Niners game, you look at the Bills game, even parts of the Dolphins game and even the Eagles loss early in the season, whenever you look at the losses and kind of see the trends that happen in all five of those, all five of those trends started to trend back into uh, the Packers game all into one. And it just kind of created the perfect storm. I think that's a very fair assessment now. Nick, uh, the Mozzie Smith stuff this year was a little bit weird, him losing a bunch of weight. Like, do you have any idea why or how that that started for him and and sort of what their plan is for him? Yeah, I mean, you look at what he was struggling with uh, early in the season, and it really just ended up happening throughout the season. It was his slow get-off, and I think – maybe sacrificing a few pounds. He was able to kind of get off the line a little bit quicker, but I I don't see that as a weight thing. I see that more as a mental thing and being able to get off the line a little bit faster. I think um, he's probably down to about 305 to 310 right now, just from my eyeball looking at him. Um, I I think I had mentioned on here a couple of weeks ago, there was a moment when he was walking into the game in uh, in Buffalo and he had like a, 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 a mask over his face and couldn't really tell who he was. And I thought he was Sam Williams until he got like right close to my face. And Sam Williams is well below 300 pounds. So uh, it was just kind of interesting to kind of see what his weight loss has looked like throughout the season. I think there's going to be a plan for him this offseason to really figure out what he can do physically and then put that on, uh, translate that onto the field, whether that be in OTAs or in, in training camp, to really figure out what he can do to take that next step. Because I think it's really safe to say he has not taken a next step since he's been in Dallas. There, it's not an idea to 
allow him to play the same role or, or style that he did that made him effective in college? I mean, it could be an idea, but, you know, with the way Dan Quinn has run this defense, it'd be kind of difficult to be able to do that with the guys that he'll also kind of have to, you know, appeal to across the line. It would be tough. And I think if, if, if Dan Quinn is out of the building next season and a different defensive coordinator is coming in, I think that's probably one of his earlier challenges that he'll probably have to face and being able to develop Monty Smith, yes, but also figure out where to put him. Where, where could he be best? Uh, on this defensive line and, and where kind of what situations would he best work in? Uh, I think that's certainly going to be one of the bigger challenges. Are you switching over to watching college tape now? Or are you jumping into the uh, the NFL games this weekend? Yeah, I am 1,000% diving into college tape. I was already about like 50-50 before the Cowboys lost. I was trying to do as much prep as I could before uh, before the Cowboys season ended or whether it ended last weekend or we were still talking mid-February. Um, but, yeah, it happened a little bit sooner than I anticipated, but it just gave me an opportunity to dive in a little bit deeper. Really excited about this draft class. I know me and Brian have talked about it quite a bit on the draft show this week. And if you all haven't checked that out, go ahead and check that out, draft show on DallasCowboys.com. But uh, this is a fun class. I think there's a lot of position groups that have a lot of talent. There's not many position groups that are weak, and it, it's going to be fun to really track as the uh, draft season goes on. I'll be heading up to the Senior Bowl in a couple of weeks. That's going to be a really good one, as always. Um, just really looking forward to this draft cycle. Do you have a good idea now of of what like positions you'd like to see in the first two rounds? Uh, for the Cowboys, I mean, you're looking at offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. <laughs> I think that if the Cowboys went for a back to back offensive line picks, I don't think anybody would be frustrated about that. But you also got to look at linebacker. You got to look at running back and just kind of see what the options are there. Uh, I could throw out a couple of names. Linebacker, you're looking at Edron Cooper out of Texas A&M. If you're looking in that first two round range. Offensive line, we talked about Graham Barton out of Duke. We talked about Jackson Powers Johnson, the center out of Oregon, uh, Amarius Mims as well. I mean, there's some, there's some names that you could throw out there that would be interesting takes at either 24 or late in the second round. And then running back, it, it, there's not going to be a guy in the first round whatsoever. I think even that late second round could be a stretch for even some of the top guys. I mean, Jonathan Brooks out of Texas is probably the best back in this draft, but he's coming off of a torn ACL that he suffered against TCU uh, there in early November. So that's going to kind of affect his process. And then you look at Blake Corum out of Michigan, ran for a million touchdowns this past year. He's a 5'9", 210. He's going to be more of a bowling ball type uh, uh, type running back. And, and does that fit with what McCarthy wants to do next season? Uh, that's, that's another question. But um, there's, there's definitely some talent in this draft, and I think they can really pick up some solid players in these first three rounds, even though they're missing those picks in the middle rounds that they'll probably need. Right on, Nick. I'm sure we'll be catching up with you before too long. Enjoy the uh, divisional round, sir. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. There he goes, Nick Harris, DallasCowboys.com. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.